This morning, I have brought to you a lesson that we will talk a little bit about the prettiest penny. This morning, we are going to learn about, well, I guess I shouldn't say learn necessarily. We are going to talk about one of the greatest gifts we have in this world, but not of this world. This morning, I'm going to tell you about this penny that Christ talked about, that Christ teached about, or taught about, I guess I should say. That's my Oklahoma southern slang coming in there. This idea was sparked from Matthew chapter 9 and verse 27. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 27, Christ has just replied to the rich young ruler when he comes to Christ and says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Christ told him, Go sell all that you have and give your alms to the poor. And the young rich ruler went away sorrowful. Most all of us know that story. We all, most all of us know how it, how it came about, how Christ told him, how the young man was sad because he had many great possessions. But it's not necessarily the rich young ruler's response that I want to talk about this morning, but Peter's response. In Matthew 19 and verse 27, it says, Then, Peter, then answered Peter and said unto him, Behold, we have forsaken all and followed thee. What shall we have therefore? What shall we have therefore? And now later on, we're going we're gonna to examine this response that Peter had a little bit. Peter talking about himself and the disciples when he asks, What shall we have therefore? Christ's response is in Matthew chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. It says, For the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man that is a householder, which went out early in the morning and the laborers, to hire laborers in his vineyard. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a penny a day, he sent them into his vineyard, and he went out about the third hour and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And he said to them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right I will give you. And they went their way. Again, he went out about the sixth and the ninth hour and did likewise. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing idle. And he said to them, Why stand ye here all the day idle? Verse 7 says, They say unto him, Because no man hath hired us. And he said unto them, Go ye also into the vineyard, and whatsoever is right ye shall receive. So when even was come, the Lord of the vineyard said to his steward, Call the laborers and give them their hire, beginning from the last unto the first. And when they came that were hired about the eleventh hour, they received every man a penny. Verse 10 says, But when the first came, they supposed that they should have received more. And they likewise received every man a penny. And when they had received it, they murmured against the good men of the house, saying, These last have wrought but one hour, and thou hast made them equal unto us, which have borne the burden and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them and said, Friend, I did thee no wrong. Didst thou not agree with me for a penny? Take that as thine and go thy way. I will give unto the last, even as unto thee. Now we all know that Christ had a way of speaking in parables in a way that he could dumb it down for the disciples or for whoever he was talking to to understand. Christ was a great teacher. He knew how to reach people. He knew what people would understand. He knew if it was a farmer, then he would, he would, he would uh, speak a parable of, of planting a seed. 
A seed planted on the rock will not grow. A seed planted in good soil, it'll spring up and it'll bring forth fruit. This parable, though, that he has said to the disciples is a parable that can be looked at in so many different ways. But the way we're going to look at it this afternoon or this morning is when he said to the laborers, take, thine that, take that thine is and go thy way. I will give unto the last even as unto thee. This was Christ's response to Peter's question. When Peter asked the question, Lord, we have forsaken all for thee. What then shall we receive? I can't help but wonder. Maybe there was a little bit of honest curiosity in there. But oftentimes when we think about when, when Peter, it, it makes me wonder, when Peter saw that rich young ruler walk away, there was a little bug in his brain that said, boys, we might just have it good. There was a little, there had to be a little sense of pride there where he said, well, he couldn't give anything, but we've given all. Guys, we might just get the biggest piece of the pie, and that's why he asked Christ, what are we going to get then? Now, another thing we have to understand is that the disciples don't fully comprehend the kingdom of heaven at this point. They are still picturing a physical castle when Christ sits on the throne with a golden crown and an army of, of thousands of men. And they're asking, what piece of that are we going to get then? Verse 15, is it not lawful for me to do what I will with mine own? Is I not evil because I am good? So the last shall be first and the first shall be last. For many be called, but few be chosen. We understand that, that the, the owner of this vineyard went out at different hours of the day. In the morning, and then a few hours later, and a few hours later, and he's hiring men at different times of the day. Now, in our American society, we find it hard to believe that half a day is equal a penny and a full day is equal to a penny. Even if you say that half a day is equal to $100 and a full day is equal to $100, that's just not how the wheel turns around here. And in society, or in this world today, we learn that there is a first, a second, and a third place. There is a gold, a silver, and a bronze medal. Whether it be the Olympics, whether it be a rodeo, the fastest time wins, or the, the one who rides with the most style wins, whether it be a basketball tournament, first place is going to get this great big tall trophy, second place will get a little bit of a smaller one, and third place might just get a medal to hang around their neck. That's what we're taught. But I will tell you this morning, that's not what Christ taught. When it came to the kingdom of heaven, that's not what Christ taught. In Matthew chapter 20, in verses 20 through 23, in the same chapter, it says, Then came to him the mother of Zebedee's children with her sons, worshiping him and desiring a certain thing of him. And he said to her, What will thou? And she said to him, Grant that these my two sons may sit, the one on thy right hand and the other on thy left, in thy kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, You know not what you ask. Are you able to drink of the cup that I shall drink of and to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? They said to him, We are able. And he said to them, Ye shall drink indeed of my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. 
But to sit on my right hand and one on my left is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared of my father. Now again, a similar question is asked. Grant that, that, that my sons may sit on one on the right and one on the left in thy kingdom. Once again, perhaps they're picturing a physical kingdom. A big throne with gold-plated arms and a big velvet, red velvet cushion. But Christ finally comes out and says, plainly, you don't know what you're asking for. He says, you drink the cup that I shall drink of, and you are baptized, you are able to be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. Essentially, Christ said, I came to offer salvation. I didn't come to offer the right and the left hand of the throne and the kingdom of heaven. Essentially, Christ says, that is up to my Father. That's his job. Christ said, my job is to come and offer salvation. My job is to come and to lay down the life, lay down my life so that the blood is spilled and that you can drink of the cup that I drink of. That's what Christ taught here. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 6, Christ said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And here's where the gears are going to turn a little bit. Because I will tell you this morning, there's a difference in striving to make yourself better each and every day and trying to be better than the person next to you. When Peter asked the question, what then shall we have, for we have forsaken all? That thought in his mind was that so-and-so, if, if, if somebody had, had been with Christ for five years, then they were going to get a piece of the kingdom, but it might not be as big as Peter's, right? I suppose Peter wasn't necessarily wrong when he said, for we have forsaken all to follow thee. The disciples had given up a lot. But it's not a ranked system that Christ teaches. And this is where we're going to learn that there's a difference in hunger, hung, hungering and thirsting after righteousness and looking at somebody down the street and saying, well, I'm doing better than them, so I must be okay. Right? If we break it down enough, that's what Peter was saying. Well, I've been with Christ for a long, stinking time, and I've given up just about everybody I have, so I'm going to get a little bit of, I've, I've got to get a little more than, than this person over here. We go back to the hired servants. You know, there's a guy that, I work at a John Deere dealership back in the shop, and, I, and I've got my own little bay. There's a guy in the bay next to me, and we turn wrenches, and we talk about cars and all this kind of stuff. And Richie had started putting in about 20 hours a week for the past three weeks. But Richie's getting the same pay. I'm probably more with the experience that he has. And that's not necessarily wrong. That's not necessarily the point either. I put in my 40 hours a week, and I see Richie put in 20. And then I start to think, you know what, maybe it's not really that bad to put in 20 because Richie's still here, right? They haven't fired him yet. Maybe I can put in 35 this week and be okay. 
And then the next week comes, and, well, I put in 35 last week. Let's put in 35 again today. I like going home at noon on Friday. Who doesn't, right? There's a difference in trying to better yourself every day and being better than the person next to you. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. This doesn't sound like, when Paul was teaching, it doesn't sound like he was telling me, well, if you're doing better than your brother, then you're okay. It's not like he drew a line. It's not like God drew a line and says, okay, the first 1,000 are going to make it to the kingdom of heaven. That's not how it works. In James chapter 1, verse 26 and 27, it says, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart, this man's religion is in vain. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. That right there doesn't sound like a person that's willing to settle and say, well, I'm doing better than my brother. That sounds to me like a full-in effort. That sounds to me like every single day we get up to work. Every single day, I'm, every week that I show up, I'm going to put in my 40 hours at work. That's what it sounds like to me. It doesn't matter how much the guy next to me is working. It doesn't matter that he's making more money and he's showing up less. What matters is I'm taking care of my business and that I am trying to better myself each and every day. We understand that when we read that parable, it never said the man that was hired at the first took a break. The way we understand it, the way Christ taught that parable the men that were hired at the first of the day, they said, well, why are we all getting a penny? We borne the heat of the day. We worked all day long, and we got a penny. But the master said, is that not what we agreed to? In James chapter 1, verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. That doesn't sound like, oh, I showed up to Sunday morning services. I even went to Sunday evening services. Wednesday's not important. That doesn't sound to me like, well, I showed up to all three services this week. I'll just, so-and-so, he, he said he needed a visit. He said he needed a talk, but it's okay because I showed up to my three services. That's not what it sounds like to me. It's a work in progress. And it's not an easy job. But it's something we have to work at each and every day. In Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, it says, Wherefore, seeing we are also com compassed about with so gr great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. I must be missing verse 3 up there. Let us set aside the weight that so easily besets us. 
the sin that so easily pulls us down. Not only let us lay aside that, but I'll tell you this morning, if you're running your race right next to your brother or your sister in Christ and they've got an ankle weight on, reach over there and take it off for them. Because we're not trying to beat our brother or our sister in Christ to the finish line. We're trying to finish the race with them, hand in hand. Reach over there and help them out. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all of them that love his appearing. A crown of life for all of them that love his appearing. Not the first 100, not the first 1,000, not the ones who, who ran this race with the most style points, but for everyone who loves him. If your brother or your sister in Christ is running the race next to you, and if they're holding a 20-pound dumbbell, tell them, let me take that for you, brother. We'll throw it behind us, and we're going to leave it behind. And we're not going to go back and get it because it's slowing us down. It's slowing you down. Whatever that sin might be, whether it's five pounds, whether it's three pounds, or whether it's 100 pounds, it's slowing you down. Leave it behind. It's not important. So I'll tell you this morning about the, pretty, the prettiest penny. This penny that Christ offers, it's going to be passed up by a whole lot of people. I have a picture up there, I don't know why I skipped back necessarily, of a penny sitting in a parking lot. And I'm sure if I asked for a show of hands who have ever seen this, every single one of them would go up in the air. We've all seen the penny in the parking lot, haven't we? A whole lot of us have seen a quarter in a parking lot. You know what's interesting about that, though, is a lot of people will pick up the quarter and pass by the penny. Now, I want to make a disclaimer before I make this analogy. I do not want to degrade the love of Christ and the gift that we have that he has shared with us. I will tell you this morning, it is the greatest thing that could ever be shared with us, that cannot even be fathomed yet. Our brains cannot wrap around the thought of the love that was needed, the love that was shared, the sacrifice that was made, and the things that are yet to come for the people who love God's appearing. But I will say that Penny sitting in the parking lot, a whole lot of people will see it sitting there and they'll walk right on past it without even thinking a second thought. That penny in the parking lot doesn't seem so significant, but I'm going to tell you this morning, if you pick up the penny that Christ has offered you, it will be the most prettiest penny ever imagined. The most beautiful gift that has ever been shared. And this penny is worth a whole lot more than just one cent in this world. This penny is worth eternal salvation. And it is a big deal. And I'm going to tell you, if you haven't picked up that penny yet, then today is the time to pick it up. 
If you have picked up that penny off the ground or if you have received the gift of Jesus Christ, put it in your shirt pocket and hold it close and don't ever let it go. Don't ever forget about it. If you bend over and it happens to fall out, you pick it up right before it even rolls away. Don't ever let it go because nothing in this world is as valuable as that single penny that he can offer. I will end with a story. My grandma had, had sent me an email one time. And I don't remember what the, the title of this article was called. It was something about keeping the faith or something. I don't remember. But it went something like this. In the 1956 Major League Baseball season on opening day, the Milwaukee Braves played the Cincinnati Reds. Starting in left field for the Cincinnati Reds was a rookie named Jeff Greengrass. And in that game, Jeff Greengrass, went in his rookie debut, went four for four with a home run and, four, and three doubles. Now, I don't know. I'm a baseball fanatic. I've always loved baseball. I don't know how many of you know how, more, how good of a performance that is, but I will tell you the ball that he hit for his home run to go four for four is sitting in the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame because that was one of the single greatest rookie performances that has ever been made in the Major League Baseball. Now, starting, for the left, starting in left field for the Milwaukee Braves was a rookie also in his rookie debut. He went 0 for 4 at the plate. And I think he caught a fly ball. That's about all he that's about all he did for his team that day. And the Braves lost. But that left fielder's name was Hank Aaron. And if you don't know who Hank Aaron is, he's known to be one of the greatest hitters of all time. He had the arm of a cannon attached to his shoulder, and he could run the bases just as good as anybody. The reason I tell you that story is because it's not how you started your race, your spiritual life, that doesn't matter. Where you started it is insignificant. The person who baptized you is not that important. It's not the start that matters. It's the finish. And if you have received this penny, then like Paul said, I know that I have a crown of righteousness laid up for me in heaven. And also for those, for all of those who love his appearing. Take this penny, brothers and sisters, and hold it close. I hope and I pray that you do. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.